Alright, good to go. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And in studio for once is Tim Jensey. Yeah, this is a, this is hard to believe, man. This is your very first time here in studio with us. Yeah. It's like we're professionals or something. <laughs> that is true. I mean, we're not we're not yet professionals, but we're almost there. Working on it. So, Tim, now that I have you in studio, how, how's your week been, bud? I don't think I've really... We haven't really talked, have we, since... Since last podcast? Yeah. yeah. Not really. Actually, my week has been pretty good. I was I was expecting a shit show flying out of Calgary. It was it was actually really good. Like, I hit security at 9 p.m. and I was expecting, like, the last minute line. No line through security. I just kind of walked on through. I was nice. like, okay, everyone's got to be waiting for food or something. I sit down at a, I sit down at uh, the Molson house. I get my burger within five minutes of ordering. Really? Yeah. It, it was fine. I get to my flight, no delay, no kids on the plane, and I get off in Victoria exactly at the time I was supposed to, walk out, and Chelsea and I drive home. Right on, man. Yeah, I was just like, huh, that's weird. Yeah. Well, considering, like, when I came home there last week, I had delays and flights being cancelled, and I had a flight from Calgary to Nanaimo. It got cancelled, and nobody told me about it. Yeah, actually, on my flight from Calgary to Victoria, my whole my whole row was empty except for me. Right. Oh, and the woman on the other side of the row who had her puppy. Okay. Yeah, what happened is there was supposed to be a connecting flight from Saskatoon, but it it was too delayed that they couldn't they couldn't hold the flight to Victoria. Okay. So instead of delaying everyone an hour for the chance that the Saskatoon flight might get in, they are just WestJet's like, no, we're not doing that. We can't strand. 90% of the passengers for a potential 10%. Right. Well, it's good to nice. know that your flight didn't get delayed or canceled, unlike mm. my flights, because, <laughs> believe me, I mean, this is crazy that, I, like I said, I had a flight from Calgary into Nanaimo, and because of the weather, got canceled, and I'm sitting at the, where was I sitting at? Chili's? Chili's in the Calgary airport? Yep. And I was talking to my stepdad, and he's just like, dude, why don't you just reroute yourself through Victoria? So I did that, I got in, and it was a rough ride. I mean, especially flying over Vancouver when we hit turbulence. And I'm an okay flyer, but I mean, still, like, and I'll give you a demonstration. I'm flying like this, I'm holding onto the tray like this. Oh, wow. And I'm like, fuck, please, please don't crash, <laughs> please don't crash. Uh, for folks who aren't in the studio, he's uh, got the white knuckles on his desk. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can definitely see the whites on my knuckles. It was crazy. Oh, wow, that... Yeah, Vancouver's weird. Like, it's a place that shouldn't have turbulence, but does. Yeah. Like, all the time. Yeah, well, I understand. I think they got a lot of snow in Vancouver. Yeah. I'm actually... I was surprised, because uh, there was more, more snow here than there was in Calgary. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tim, what you guys lack in snow, you make up for mountains. We have lots of mountains. Actually, we have an independent third-party voice here to talk about are there mountains in Ch 
in Calgary. Chelsea, are there mountains? Can we see them from our house? Yes, on a clear day. Okay, yes. sorry, I forgot to mention, uh, Tim's wife Chelsea's here in studio with us. Oh. <laughs> I know, how rude of me, eh? Like, you come into studio oh. with Tim, and I didn't even mention you. I was going to be really quiet, and you guys could just do your own thing. Well, to be fair, I, mean, I just dragged her in to win an argument. Yeah, you were saying there's mountains in Calgary. They're not really in Calgary. We just Yeah, they're super close. Like, it's about as close as the mountains are to Vancouver. No. <laughs> yeah, it's like half an hour drive to Lake Louise. Tim, you have no idea how happy it makes me that Chelsea's taking my side. She's not taking your side. She is taking my side. <laughs> she is agreeing to the parameters that I laid out of look west. I was looking east, Tim. <laughs> Tim, we went through this last week. Okay, let's move on. All right, so now you obviously listened to last week's episode, correct? Yeah. Yeah, mountains. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty much our episode last week. That's how it is right now. Just Tim and I arguing. Oh, Jesus. Although I think last week might might I think might have been one of our best episodes. It was, absolutely. And I know especially on my end, because I complained about episode 11, how I just, it didn't seem like I was really into it. Episode 12, I was really into it. I was fired up and arguing with you and... Well, you had a great experience to talk about, and I think that's what really made the episode was uh, not only were we talking about sports, we were talking about the human aspect of being a fan, which is honestly one of the coolest things about sports in general. For sure. And I understand, like, I became one of those guys when I got home that it was like two, three degrees outside, and I'm thinking, it's not that fucking cold. Standing out there in a jersey and my t-shirt, and I'm like, yeah, it's not that cold. I was just in minus 18 weather. <sighs> Well, it's like, to be fair, like, once you get acclimatized to it, it really isn't. But then, uh, you have a harder time dealing with the hot temperatures. Like, it's hot just... temperatures I don't have a problem with, because I'm more of a warm climate mm-hmm. individual anyway. What I found was, actually it was funny, uh, the more time I spent in Calgary, the like, just in cold winter, I just noticed warmer temperatures more. Yeah. Although, uh, when I lived in Ottawa, you had, like, both ends of the spectrum, so, like, Southern Ontario summer gets to, like, it's 20 and super humid. So, uh, we actually went to Japan, uh, after I worked at the Bank of Canada, and Chelsea and her mom were like, oh, and I was wearing this army coat the whole time, because I wanted to keep my passport, like, in a place where it wasn't going to get pickpocketed, have enough space for, like, my wallet, phone, that sort of stuff. Fair enough. And, and, uh, Chelsea and her mom's like, he's, he's wearing, he's still wearing the coat. It's 40 above. When's he going to take off the coat? You're just like, never. Never. I'll sweat balls out here. I don't care. No, the only time I took off the coat was uh, we got caught in a rainstorm. Ooh. So then the coat the coat was very wet, but like my shirts and short were dry, so I just took off the coat so it would dry. Okay. So that's how the coat was defeated. Well, Tim, that's a great story about your coat, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that we've talked about our weeks and last week's episode... It's time to segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Nice. So we gotta give a first of all, we gotta give a big congratulations to our Lord and Savior, Eric Carlson. Because uh, I'm not sure if you saw this, uh, Melinda Carlson, wife of Sens Captain Eric Carlson, released a video on her social media showing Eric shooting a puck that revealed the sex of their first child. The puck blew up into blue powder, which resulted in the child being a boy. You know what that means, Tim? What? We got another first round Carlson! Woo! Woot, woot, woot! Like, I've been 
like one thing I've noticed over like the last few weeks is uh, the social media presence of NHL significant others is it's so fun. It is like a lot of the guys they're like really bolted down, just saying, talking like media points, but like Melinda Carlson celebrating her baby. Or showing off whatever gender bent costume she's managed to convince Eric into. Yeah, but I think because Melinda is not contracted by the Ottawa mm-hmm. Senators that she's allowed to do stuff like that. Oh yeah, and it's much amazing. like Julie Turris. Julie Turris did it, and who's the other NHL wife recently? Uh, Andrew Hammond. Hammond's wife. Yeah, I think Marley's her name. Marley, Apparently, yeah. she's pretty funny on Twitter as well. Yeah, no, that actually Nicole Nicole's pretty funny, but I think she is now under contract with the NHL. Nicole Anderson. Yeah. Because she's, uh, she's, uh... For hockey fights cancer. Fights cancer, yeah. But, like, yeah, the NHL wives are awesome. Oh, for sure. I, I could expect a lot of really fun baby pics. And it was funny because, uh, over Christmas dinner, I was talking with, uh, Chelsea and, uh, my younger sister, and they're both like, I'm tired of people sharing ugly baby pictures. <laughs> this is gonna be a beautiful baby. <laughs> it is. I want to see the pictures. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So let's move on to our next story. Now, this is one of the big stories of the week. The New York Islanders had their bid to build a brand new arena at Belmont Park, which is a major thoroughbred horse racing facility in Elmont, New York. Their bid would include an 18,000-seat arena, hotel, 435,000 square feet of retail space, and a 10,000-square-foot innovation center that would be developed with input from residents. Now, given that last weekend I was in Ottawa down at... TD place at Lansville Park. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that all brand new that they developed? Yes. Down there? Yes. Okay. So and that was built for the Red Box. Right. Okay. So when I was down there, like it's really nice down there, and oh, I understand I that it. it wasn't developed prior to that, well, and I don't understand that. Lansdowne, like uh, Lansdowne, used to be a horse racing facility too. Like okay. you can still see the you can still see Lansdowne like the downs. Definitely, like everything there is super nice. Like the like the Silver City. Theater is one of the nicest theaters I've been in. If you're going to build a stadium, like building all the extra stuff is the way to go. Absolutely. And I think that's what the Ottawa Senators should do with their new arena where they're building it is Mm -hmm. develop it around it where you've got retail space, bars, hotels like they did with Mm -hmm. uh, at Lansdale. Because when I was down there for the Sens game, like they had bars, they had a craft beer pub up the road and it was packed. Well, the other thing about uh, where the Lansdowne is, is it's south of a neighborhood called the Glebe. Okay. And the Glebe is known for having a lot of, like, upscale, Main Street-type shops. So it was already a really nice area, so Lansdowne was a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what would be really cool is uh, if they could get a... If the NCC built, like, another monument, because, like, LeBreton Flats is, like, just west of Parliament, right? Right. You could kind of see, like, the shitty old industrial area. If you look down the street, like, not towards the mall, but the other way. Right. Yeah, so uh, what they could do is something like Washington, D.C., where you have, like, something like the Jefferson Monument just down by the water or something cool like that. The Alfie Monument. Ooh, I like it. I like it, too. <laughs> All right, so let's go on to our next story. Chicago Blackhawks prospect Ivan Nalimov had his KHL contract terminated due to payment issues. Nalimov, who played for the Admiral Vladisvostok was one of the hottest goalies in the KHL at the time of the termination. Nalimanov stated that he will not be heading to North America to join the Blackhawks due to the team already have multiple goaltenders. Huh. Oh, I wonder what he's going to do then. Honestly, I think 
when I read the story, I think he might sign with another KHL team. Mm-hmm. Because if he comes to the AHL, then he's going to make a fraction of what he's going to make over there. Plus... Less ice time. Less ice time. But I also don't... And I don't you can't correct correct me if I'm wrong. The KHL isn't it tax free, or no? I don't know. Okay, because I recall Russian I can't remember who it was. I think it was like Don Akasic or somebody had a contract with one of those leagues, and they said they would have paid him four million tax free. So yeah, if he goes to the AHL, what like the highest he would get paid? Three four hundred thousand dollars maybe. Yeah, because he'd be on a two way contract, so he'd be. Yeah, so like the most he would make is probably five hundred thousand if he's lucky, because yeah. like those guys making no, he'd be signed to a league minimum contract, so he'd be making like two hundred thousand at that. Well, I mean, let's let's not be flippant here. I'd like to make two hundred thousand dollars. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but wouldn't? compared to what he could make in the KHL, yeah, yeah, and plus he's going to be a starter over in KHL. Yeah. Sounds like a recipe for a guy who might just not bother coming over. For sure. We've got to talk about the Montreal Canadiens once again because tempers flared at Habs practice prior to the game versus the Calgary Flames when Andrew Shaw and Joe Morrow got into a scrap. Head coach Claude Julien also raised his voice after players displayed lackluster effort during the practice. Now, given the last couple of episodes, we've talked about the Habs with Daniel Breer, what he said, Andre Markov, and now you got this. Like, there's something seriously wrong in Montreal, and I believe that Jeff Molson, who's the owner of the Habs, should really step in and do something about this. Well, I've got a feeling Jeff Molson, like, at this moment... I've and, oh, sorry, a... Tim, and we also can't forget when P.K. Subban played for the Habs. Like, he was getting mm. into fights with teammates All almost time. every year, yeah. Yeah, and while P.K. Subban looks to be happy as a bee down in Nashville... Speaking about Subban as a quick tangent, did you see uh, his Blue Line Buddies video? I didn't, no. Uh, basically what happens is him and uh, him, Roman Yossi, and a bunch of other guys uh, go to uh, like a family of an underprivileged uh, of an underprivileged family in Nashville and uh, they rebuild their house for them. Oh, nice. Sort of like a Habitat for Humanity. Sort of like that, yeah. And then they also dressed up P.K. Subban as an old guy. I did see that. handing out like candy That's canes awesome. and stuff. Like, yeah, and, you're driving. They drove that. Oh, and then you know what he did on top of that? What's that? He down. He donated like, a like ten or twenty thousand dollars worth of toys to the Montreal Children's Hospital. Fuck's crazy. Like the the and team people that said that he was time. the problem in Montreal. Yeah. No. As much as I hated PK on the ice, he's an awesome guy off it. Yeah, I think the reason why we hated him so much is because he did play for Montreal and he was so good. And his antics on the ice. That too. But I think since he's gone to Nashville, the media's not always on top of him. <laughs> and he could just go out there and play. And he's doing very well in Nashville. Yeah. So. Uh, back back to the organizational, organizational disaster that is two of, the three, two of the six Atlantic teams. Because Ottawa is definitely not exempt. Like, Montreal, I think it's just... I think there's this weird thing about when you pull on Le... Le rouge, blanc, et bleu. Like, you're wearing this history, and if things aren't going well, there's almost like this oppressive team culture that everyone wants to keep around because of its storied nature that's just punching down on everyone. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. Like, I've never really heard... Like, I'm not sure Claude... Claude Julien's not known for being, a like, the hardest of hard asses. No, he can be hard when he has to be, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I think he's mostly a player's coach. Yeah. So it's surpri- surprising that two players, and, well, Andrew Shaw is a guy that I think the media is not very happy with, and 
they really shouldn't be. No. Uh, so that might be Andrew Shaw just blowing off steam, but in that market, if you have all these players and coaches and whatever under this insane pressure, you really have to do something to fix that system. Oh, for sure. Now, we only got two trades to talk about, and they both involve the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we're going to start off. The Arizona Coyotes, they acquired forward Josh Archibald, goalie Sean McGuire, and a 2019 sixth-round pick from the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for goalie Michael Layden and a 2019 fourth-round pick. Things are bad in Pittsburgh right now. They are, and of course, with the injury to Matt Martin right now. Like that, if you look at Pittsburgh's record, if you were to tell me at the beginning of the year, Pittsburgh would be just above 500, I would have never believed you. Well, the big thing is Pittsburgh is getting, like, they're just amazingly unlucky, and their goalies have been god-awful. Yeah, and of course it doesn't hurt, doesn't help that there are rumors that they're going to be trading Chris Letang, too. Mm-hmm. He's been probably the least lucky, because he's just, whenever something goes wrong for Chris Letang, it goes massively wrong. For sure. Um, I think the big, like, that's the big thing is, uh, I think a lot of GMs are going to be lining up because I feel like... There, a panic trade will probably happen. Okay. But Mark Rutherford doesn't seem like a pa- a guy to screw up a panic trade that bad. No, for sure. But I understand that this is a move for goalie depth in Pittsburgh because after they lose or lost Marc-Andre Fleury to expansion, all you have is Matt Martin. And now with <laughs> Michael Layton coming in, you have at least a somewhat solid option mm-hmm. like i understand this is not 2010's playoff run where he was all world Matt exactly late <laughs> but yeah but if you give him 10 starts for sure he'll probably win a couple well, of them kind of amazing pittsburgh had both of the goalies from that stanley cup final because niemi got canned after an amazingly brutal game yeah what did he finish with he finished like below 800 I think, Same percent. It's like yeah. seven ninety eight or something. Something like that. And in one game, he had like a six a point six zero, which is like, wow. Did they trade him in Montreal or did they just cut the contract? I can't remember. Mm. No, they waived him. Waived him. Okay. Yeah, and Montreal thought it'd be a great idea to pick him up. Yeah. Not to be outdone though, Pittsburgh Penguins acquired defenseman Jamie Olesak from the Dallas Stars for a conditional fourth round pick in twenty nineteen. Uh this is a pretty good move for Dallas. Because Jamie Elysiak was one of their worst defensemen. Right. And Dallas finally clued into that. So they got something. Okay. It's kind of ridiculous just how brutal Pittsburgh's D-depth was. Although it honestly wasn't too terrible, though, if you think about it. like You got like Justin Schultz, where he should be. Ali Mata. Uh, your top line is pretty fine. Yeah, I, actually, I like Ali Mata. I think he's a mm. decent defenseman. Yeah. Doesn't uh, uh, Justin Schultz play for Pittsburgh? Yep. Jay Schultz is a third-line defenseman there. Okay. Um, I think the big thing that was odd is, like... And I don't think the team misses Ron Hainsey either. No. Because he wasn't... He ate a lot of minutes in that Stanley Cup final, though, which was kind of weird. Yeah, but, I mean, they were they were like Boston, though. They had so many injuries that you had to force-feed guys like Ron Hainsey, those kind of n- numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not much to say about this trade. It's just uh, Pittsburgh looking to shore up some depth. Although, uh, in that Atlantic division, there's not... Sorry, not that... Sorry, the Metro division. There's not a lot of space for them. No, for sure. And I understand that... Like, Jersey's playing. Like, all of those teams I are playing I can't believe so how well. well New Jersey's playing. And now, I understand watching them last year, 
Like, they were a very slow, bumbling team. And when they played Ottawa last, like, they were an upbeat, faster team. And I think that's what... Uh, who's the GM in New Jersey? Uh, Shiro, isn't it? Yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, Ray Shiro. That's the kind of team that he's building in New Jersey right now with Nico Hersher, Taylor Hall. Sammy Vatnin. Vatnin. I actually like that deal that's for New Jersey. such a good deal for them because now they've got the mobile defenseman to go with their ver- two very good sets of uh, mobile forwards. And you've got Corey Schneider on the back end. Yeah, and cool. of course, on the Anaheim front, you also got Adam Henrique who's shoring up their... Center depth. Center. And that's a long-time thing, too, so I think... That actually, like, that trade really extends Anaheim's window out, too. Because a lot of people had the Perry Getzlaff question, and the Henrique deal does go to address that. For sure. And I think uh, in a few years, Henrique Silverberg will be a very dangerous pairing on even a first line. <sighs> that pains to say. I know. And it still pains me that we traded him. For Bobby freaking... Bobby No Fingers Ryan. I know. But uh, I guess one more story that... We were talking about a bit earlier. Okay. Uh, in the most recent Arizona Coyotes-Colorado uh, Avalanche match, Zach, Zach Ronaldo sucker-punched Samuel Girard. Uh, if you remember, he came over to Colorado during the tourist, the tourist deal. And uh, what's interesting about this is Zach Ronaldo is a multi-time offender, so the book will probably be thrown at him. However... Uh, Coyote's commentator and uh, former enforcer, Biz Nasty, as he's known on Twitter. I know. Came now, you to obviously fo- you follow him on Twitter, right? Yes. Honestly, I started following him because I heard so many good things about it. And while I do like it, I think his Twitter account has been sort of overthrown with guys like Roberto Luongo. Uh, who else is good on Twitter? Roberto Luongo, a lot of the TSN guys are excellent. Yeah, but I'm talking like player-wise. Uh, like Eric Carlson. Carlson's good. Uh, I actually don't follow that many. Actually, uh, apparently Broussard on Instagram is savage. Um, if you like if you like house music, uh, Mika Zibanejad has an awesome yeah, Twitter. Yeah, because he's a DJ. Yeah, he po- and his mixes are really good. Okay. Well, you get Craig Anderson retweets his wife. Um, yeah, a lot of the Ottawa guys are pretty stapled down. Um, the <laughs> the Vegas Golden Knights Twitter is just really fun. Damn, they're pretty good. Anyway, sorry, going back to what you're saying about what yeah. you're saying on Twitter. Basically, he said that uh, a lot of people th- were talking about the sucker punch because it was a gutless play. Well, Biz Nasty said that no, this isn't a gutless play. Like if you were in that situation, you'd sucker punch a guy too. Oh, for sure. And uh, that take was pretty hot, honestly. Yeah, but I mean. Uh, Paul Bizonette, he comes from an old old school mentality because he of the role he played in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Where I understand the the new NHL guys look at like going, oh look at this guy, he's just being a thug out there. But you know what? Think of it like in real life. If somebody were to come up to you and try and do that, you would protect yourself. Well, I think the situation's a little different there because Sam, like Gerard was just skating past him. Well, if you watch the play, uh, Ronaldo grabs him by the back of the collar and sucker punches him. Right. It's obviously not as bad as when Pertuzzi punched more. No. But... It's a pretty gutless play, and I don't think you'd even see that back when Bissionette was playing. Right. Uh, yeah, so that's... Like, I feel that... And you can really tell that most people just didn't agree with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it, he was just getting into these massive Twitter chains of arguments, and uh, it was weird because, like, 
his argument started changing as he was going through. And it just seemed... It's a little unfortunate that Bissionette wasn't really willing to compromise when people were like, maybe it wasn't like this. Yeah. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the air for this week. So, we got to go into the games. We've got three games to talk about tonight. We tonight this afternoon sorry i'm so used to doing this at night time so it's so when you're here in studio it's just yeah so for this uh, <laughs> i could leave <laughs> no 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 you're here buddy we're gonna do it buddy so for this afternoon we've got three games to talk about we got the Sens versus the minnesota wild Sens versus the tampa Bay lightning and the Sens versus the florida panthers but before we do that tim let's hit the music time to play the game All right, Tim, it's time to start talking about the Minnesota Wild versus the Ottawa Senators. This was a 6-4 Minnesota Wild victory. Sens goals were scored by Eric Carlson with two, Derek Broussard, and Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Minnesota Wild goals were scored by Eric Stahl with two, Nick Prozer, Jonas Brodin, Miko Koivu, and Chris Stewart. Shots were 40-32 Minnesota Wild. Carlson scored first with a shot from the point to make it 1-0. Eric Stahl... Tipped the point shot to make it 1-1. Carlson, with another great shot from the point, makes it 2-1 Ottawa. JGP scores from the slot to make it 3-1 Sens. Chris Stewart slides into the slot to make it 3-2. Koivu, from, with a tip shot, ties it at 3. Prozer makes it 4-3 Wild. Jonas Brodin scores to make it 5-3 Wild. And Stahl gets a second on the power play to make it 6-3 Wild. And Derek Brazard scores to make it 6-4. Now, I did not watch this game, Tim. And judging from how this game went, I'm very happy I didn't, but I understand that... It was a weird you game. You did. Because for the first for the first half of the game, right. with the exceptions of like the three minutes after each time Ottawa scored, Ottawa was in control of this game. Yeah. Like Ottawa came out of the they came out of the gates fast and put a quick and Eric Carlson got a quick one on uh Minnesota. This was a game where Ottawa really controlled the play, got most of the shots. They were cycling great, hungry on pucks, and it really looked like whatever whatever game they were playing in the outdoor game, they had just tra- they had brought it back with them. Like it was just legitimately a great game to watch until they went up three one. Now, understandably, Tim, I didn't watch this game because that was the day that I finally got home from my trip from <laughs> East Coast, and and you know how it is, right? When yeah. you travel for a couple of days, you, you don't feel like really sitting down watching a game for a couple of hours. Yeah, you just want to go to bed. Exactly. <laughs> so I got home about 3 o'clock. I just laid on the bed and was like, fuck it. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, so it was... Real, it was intra, It was just a hard game to watch. And, uh, like, after that point, because it was... Ottawa scrambling. Minnesota got 10 straight shots in a row, uninterrupted. They'd score, they scored five unanswered goals. One thing I did have to note, though, is uh, Ottawa's power play actually looked pretty good. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the second power play where Carlson scored his goal. Right. Uh, they were only on the power play for, like, 20 seconds. It was lethal. Really? They gained the zone, split split the penalty kill, laser into the net. It was, act, it was a work of art. And that's the thing where a lot of people don't... I... I definitely see where a lot of people don't understand why this this power play is so anemic. Because you've got Carlson, Hoffman, Stone, Broussard, Duchesne, Shabbat, Dezingle, Dezingle. can hit the punt net. Like, all of those guys are these amazing weapons they can use. 
How are they so bad? I don't know. I think it's just how they cycle the puck because they've been known to really just stand there and pass it around and not move. And this is the problem from last year mm-hmm. where a lot of teams figure that out and they're just like, well, if we attack them... They won't do anything. Exactly. And that was why that, that one power play was it was so efficient because like Minnesota came to attack. Carlson's like, nope. Pew, pew. Gets the puck back. Slings it through because Minnesota was too aggressive on the Senators. Yeah, is this one of Eric Carlson's best games with two goals? I think. I think. Well, Eric Carlson was all over the ice. It, it was just great to watch. It was a shame that Cody Cece, I think, ended up with more ice time than him. And this is a theme that we're going to be talking about all week, Tay. Oh yeah. Weird ice time deployments. Yeah. Like, why is Cody Cece playing like half hour games? I'm not sure. But I understand that Carlson played... I think he set the record for most time on the ice during an outdoor game with 32 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure why Carlson's time's getting dialed back now. I can kind of see people... Like, Cody Cece has maybe, been maybe getting... Maybe it's his ankle. Maybe, maybe it's his foot problems that's bugging him. Maybe it, Maybe there's also some... The coach inferring causation... Correlation equaled causation. Thinking that Cody Cece's recent play that appears to be better plus uh, some points has... Uh, earned him more ice time however that's a little terrifying right that cody cc goal was actually quite nice though. it was and, and that's the cody cc i think a lot of senator fans really expected when we drafted him in mm-hmm. 2012 you know if auto what might not be a bad idea is if once uh weidman and borvietsky come back try cc at forward really yeah like, do you think his positioning is good enough to play forward though i think so because like it's odd because when he's in the offensive zone he's he you definitely see like the poise with the puck getting to the open zones and even fighting for it it's just the guy looks like he's playing with a live grenade in his own end and you need the defensive you need got your defenseman to be able to get the puck out transition out of the zone and Cody sees he can't do that right I think because of the lack of depth we have on right wing it wouldn't be a bad idea but I really question it because they played Mark Borvieski on wing last year, and fans were very up in arms about it. Mm-hmm. Or they played Weidman at wing earlier this week. For sure. Year. I I don't know, it's just, I think Cody Cece's not a second-line defenseman. No. He might not even be a bad fourth-line, third-line forward. And, uh, well, the thing is, is, like, Ottawa could actually have a fairly competent blue line if you run a... Uh, Carlson, Shabbat, Clayson, Borvietsky, Weidman, and Jaros or Phaneuf. Right. Although Phaneuf looked bad in this game. And, well, he's actually looked quite poor in quite a few games. And it's being suggested that Phaneuf might have a back injury. And you can definitely see his mobility. Let's be honest, he hasn't always been... He hasn't been known as the best skater. But his mobility has looked severely limited in the last few games. Well, I got no more notes. Should we go into our next game, Tim? Yeah. Like, it's just... This game was hard to watch. Okay. Because they were just so good. And then they weren't. Well, now we're going to talk about a game that wasn't hard to watch. The Ottawa Senators versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes. The battle of the 1992 expansion teams. This was a 4-3 to Lightning shootout victory. Lightning goals were scored by... Kruchadov, Guder, and Nadestokov? Namstov. Namastov, thank you. 
Sens goals were scored by Bobby Ryan, Cody Ceci, and Eric Carlson. Shots were 38-21 Tampa Bay. Exciting back-and-forth game by both Ottawa and Tampa. Tampa played a really good defensive game with solid goaltending, complementing it. Ottawa also played a good game, but overall it was not a perfect game as their defensive play got worse as the game went on. And with that, however, with that being said, Craig Anderson, I felt, played a really good game. Mm-hmm. Well, he was the only reason they stayed in it. Like, anytime you face up almost 40 shots, your goal, your goalie's a hero. Yeah. Like, he let in three goals, but still had above, had above a .9 save percentage. That's something. Oh, for sure. So we have the one big note from that game. Dan Girardi. <laughs> you know what? I like Dan Girardi. And I felt so bad when I saw this. Because it reminded me a lot of when... Was it game five? Chris Phillips did that against the Sens? Yeah, the he finals? lost the Sens the series right there. Yeah. And it's surprising that fans don't really bring that up. You know, because they could bring up several moments throughout the Sens history, but that's one that doesn't really get brought up a lot. Well, I don't think we want to because it's just such a shame. And, like, it was funny because I, one of my buddies is a really big uh, Rangers fan. So I just texted him. I was like, do you miss Girardi? No. <laughs> like, no, I was like, I'm sure he's a great guy, but no. And, like, that's just such an unlucky play to go off his shin pad. It was. And the play to start was great when Bobby Wright skated right through the defense only to hit the post. And Dan Girardi, he did what any defenseman tried to do, is clear the puck, except it bounced off his defense partner and went in. Yeah, that's just so unlucky for him. Yeah, yeah, that was just rough. And then then the Tampa Bay Lightning actually come right on and get it back. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I know that uh, Khrushchev, like, when he scored to make it 1-0, or, well, I think 1-1, that was actually a nice goal. Oh, it was, and the Sens were, the Sens were starstruck, like, and, well, I guess our our favorite defensive pairing was on the ice, so that helps. Although, Cody Ceci, he did score a goal in this game Mm -hmm. on his 24th birthday. Yeah, and it was actually another fairly nice goal. Yeah, so when you were talking earlier about playing him at forward... You know, and when you see him with the puck, like, he looked very confident with the puck in these games. Maybe they should. Maybe, and I understand that Sense Twitter won't like it, but Sense Twitter's a very pessimistic place. We know all about that. Well, I mean, I think at this moment it's deserved because we get weird coaching allocations. Like, in this game, Cody Cece was playing uh, 28 minutes, even though, uh, like, whenever he was in his zone, he was, like, he was completely and utterly, like, hemmed in. Yeah. Like, it was brutal. Um, oh, this is another game that had another contentious uh, goaltender interference look. Yeah? Yeah, I believe it was the Gudra goal. Oh, that one, yeah. Where it was very clear that the the Lightning player knocked Craig Anderson's pads. Yeah. And was not pushed in. The NHL ruled it a goal. Like, it's... It's really getting to a point where... I wonder if they're actually even looking at the tape with some of these decisions they're coming up with. Sure. Like uh, sorry, hard. Tim. Now, as we're recording right now, it is currently Boxing Day. Team Canada is playing Team Finland, and it looks like Canada just scored to make it one nothing. And funnily enough, it was under review. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, speaking of the devil, like, I don't know, it's just... I feel like if we're getting into this weird place where nobody really understands... Like, the calls are getting so bizarre that no one really understands what the call is anymore. 
something needs to change. Yeah, and we were talking off air about that Steelers Patriots game there the other night where the Steeler it looked like it was should have been ruled a catch, but it wasn't because it was technical. It was tech as technically as you can get, not a catch. Exactly. But I also made the argument. I said, "Well, you know, it was going against the Patriots. Of course, it's not going to be called a catch." But at the same time, like, I don't think that should be part of the game. No. But of course, it's going to be. But at the same time, are the Tam- are the Tampa Bay Lightning really a- an NHL favorite? They're certainly exciting to watch. Uh, one thing we could talk about is uh, after the third, after Ottawa's third goal. They just packed it in. Oh, yeah. And they were getting blitzed, and it was hard to watch. You knew that th- last goal was coming. For sure. I don't think Tampa Bay's a NHL favorite, but I do get the idea. If they are, it's because they're one of the Southern expansion teams. Mm-hmm. But it's not a part of Gary Bettman's expansion, though. It's not... I think uh, Florida was part of that. Anaheim. Uh, who else was that? Atlanta. But no, not Tampa Bay, because Tampa yeah. Bay was of... John Ziegler, the yep. original commissioner. Well, I think the big thing is it's just, uh, I think video review has to be, br- like, the quality of video review has to be brought up at the next GM's meeting, because this is getting absurd. Absurd. Uh, one last thing to mention is uh, that shootout lineup. What the fuck was that? Tom Pyatt? Yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, look, if we were Guy Boucher, this is how I would have done it. I would have gone Bobby Ryan. Yep. Hoffman. Hoffman or Stone. Yep. And Dezingle. Yeah. Or I might put Carlson in there. True, but... uh, Like, you have so many weapons. Yeah, but it's risky. It's risky putting a defenseman in the shootout. Even one with moves like Carlson? Even with moves like Carlson. Like, I... But that... That's the thing is... Gibouche has all these awesome weapons. Like, even if you want to go be unpredictable and go off the board, you have Broussard. You've got Dezingle. You've got Carlson. Like, you've got options. If you want to go off the board, Duchesne. you've got options. You've got Duchesne. Like, you don't... Like, correct me if I'm wrong, when he was in Colorado, wasn't Duchesne the third shootout man? Yeah, he was their anchor. Like, I don't understand. Like, it's honestly just baffling, and it... That's why I buy into the the Boucher boys argument. Like there is some clear favoritism because why the why the hell would Pyatt pull your shootout? I don't know, and I understand, and I do agree with that notion because you look at our roster. Tom Pyatt played for Boucher. Uh, who else played for Gabriel him? Dumont? Yeah, Dumont. Di Domenico. Di Domenico. I th- think Pajot. Pajot or Brizard. I think one of those two played for them. Hoffman in June. did. Hoffman? Oh, yeah, right. Okay, Hoffman played Although for him. Hoffman's in the doghouse, and I don't understand why. I don't know. And that's why, uh, as I'm sitting right here, I'm currently wearing a Mark Stone jersey. I think that's why I bought this one, because I'm thinking, who's more <laughs> unlikely to be traded, Hoffman or Stone at this point? Yeah, no kidding. Oh, that's so frustrating. I know. Oh, and it... Yeah, we're going to go into next game. We're going to talk about some real Boucher shit before we even get into the game. Yeah. So the last game we're going to talk about, the Ottawa Senators versus the Florida Panthers. This was a one to nothing Panthers victory. Goals were scored by Jonathan Huberdo. Actually, he's a good player. And his sister, I think his player. sister was singing the National Anthem that game, too. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Shots were 38-38. I think it's the first time that we've ever had tie shots in this yeah. since we've done the show. 
Overall, Florida dominated Ottawa in this game. Their defensive and puck-moving ability was the key reason why. Ottawa looked very flat-footed coming out of the gate, but overall, they got their feet moving as the game went on. However, their defensive and puck handling abilities was also not great. The real star of this game was Mike Condon, the Trojan. Well, like, playing a great game for the Sens... And like I said, Huberto got the only goal. And there was nothing Condon could have done in that. That was just a rocket that he fired mm-hmm. at him. Well, anytime you have a 37-save game, you're playing a pretty good hockey game. Oh, for sure. And I understand that Mike Condon hasn't exactly had the best of seasons. But when watching him in this game, like he absolutely was the reason Florida didn't win yeah. for nothing. Well, here's... And that's the thing is, like, if Ottawa starts getting goaltending like that, maybe some of this turns around, but... Actually, I don't even believe that, because this is a game where Ottawa just needed to score to get a point. Yeah. And they couldn't do it. For sure. Now, I understand Mike Condon made comments after the game. Yeah. Stating that the team needs to work harder. Mm-hmm. And this isn't just, like, work harder on the ice. Like, Condon insinuated... Actually, I think he explicitly stated that the team needs to do more conditioning, the team needs to practice more. Like, this is about player training, which, again falls on the coach mm-hmm. but and speaking about the coach did you see the fucking opening lines and the practice lines yep so your team is depleted of bobby ryan dion Phaneuf, and zach smith so you call up uh philip shalapic who, well who didn't Nick look Paul. too bad in that game to be honest philip shalapic and d domenico both guys who are very skilled they're they're guys who are doing quite well in the AHL with regards to their like skill skill type play, like t- kind of middle six type guys. Right. So, do you give them some ice time? Yes, in a bottom six capacity. Or, or you could be Guy Boucher and give them top line minutes. No, what he did is he put up Zach, sorry, Nate Thompson and Alex Burrows. Burrows, who I has he even scored a point yet? I think he has. He has. Like, the fact that I'm not even sure. Like, he was giving those guys top-line minutes, and they haven't they haven't played to deserve it, so you might as well give the young guys a chance. And one thing, I didn't get to watch the whole game, but from the from what I did get to watch, the Schlappick-Paul-D-Domenico line was one of Ottawa's best lines that night. Mm-hmm. Like, they were... Like, they carried over a lot of very high-tempo play, and uh, they are getting a nice amount of chances. So, like, that's quite nice to watch, but, uh, ah, uh, Guy Boucher's killing me. Currently, as of right now, Alex Burrell's played 33 games, three goals, three assists for six points. That's pretty bad. Well, he's a minus one. <laughs> yeah. However, it's not the worst, because it says here he, he was a minus 13 a couple of seasons back. <whistles> yeah. So. But, uh, yeah, I feel like it's, I understand like, Guy Boucher, most nights, doesn't... He doesn't have... Well, it's it's not even that. Guy Boucher has a lot of tools to work with. It's just these... This is another game where Cody CC played more minutes than Eric Carlson. Right. This is another game where Thomas Shabbat has been basically pushed to the fourth line, and it looks like he's... He's, afri- he's afraid to fuck up. Yeah. So he's not, tr- he's not trying to control the game like he was when he first came here in that brilliant game he played against the New York Islanders. He's going down the same route that a lot of the prospects we've ever had did. Like Jared Cowan and Curtis Lazar. He's going down that route of being scared out there. 
yeah. the fuck up. And if that's happening, well, it's it's time to nuke the entire coach. Like, you have to nuke the entire coaching staff. Because we can't have a coach that's ruining prospects. No. Because you will never, ever succeed in the NHL if you break all of your top prospects. No, and you can look at the New York Islanders, right, with the coaching staff that they've ever had. Because Nino Niederreiter almost ruined his career until he went to Minnesota. Uh, Ryan Strom. You know, you're looking at a lot of these players that they've drafted, and they're high. Griffin Reinhardt. Dead. Dead. I mean, really, think about If you take Okoposo, Tavares, and a few other guys, who have they really developed? Uh, Tavares, but that anyone could have done that. Yeah, and I agree and with your Josh age. Bailey, but you know what's amazing is... I think he's a one-year wonder, to be quite Well, one-year wonder, but the coaching change in New York has been massively significant. Getting rid of Capuano and replacing him with Doug Wade. Yeah. Because Doug Wade is... Like, he's a player's coach for sure, but he's a, he's not, he's a nurturing type. And he's really worked with those, like, those young guys. And some of the Josh Bailey stuff does look repeatable. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very, like, he's excellent in the possession game. He's generating shots all over the ice. So he's doing all the things he needs to do to be a consistently good player. Right. And it seems like Doug Wade's nurturing the guy. Yeah. And Doug Wade's nurturing all the players. Like, if we think that Ottawa needs to develop some of these guys, and if this season's lost, and you have a coach that's not willing to nurture the play, not w- willing to nurture the players, maybe it's time to get rid of the coach. Yeah, honestly, I don't think I'm not like since Twitter. I don't think the season's completely done yet. If we go into mid February, mid to late February, and we're still playing at this, then we have a serious problem. But we're only in late December. I'm gonna. Here's the thing. If we lose to Boston both times next week, the season's done. The hill is insurmountable. Like, mathematically speaking, right. Ottawa would have to go something like 35-10 and 10 the rest of the season. Which is, like, if insane. you thought the Hamburglar run was insane... Try winning 35 games. Try winning 35 games. Right. This is a season that shouldn't have been lost. For sure, especially with the start that we had at the beginning of the year. And the talent on this team. But there's something something massively wrong with the way the Senators are operating right now. And I think it's the co- I think the coach. Leadership. Because remember, we, yeah. we talked about this with the tourist deal. Because if you look at the, teal, the tourist deal before and after, after is so much significantly worse than before. Mm-hmm. Although at the same time, like, you have the ownership drama weighing in everything. The weird... The weird shit the coach is doing. Yeah. Like, Dorian's moves... Like, Dorian's made some very good moves and some questionable moves. Although, here's the thing is... I don't want to jump down Dorian's throat yet. No. Because, like, the Method, Method expansion was a mistake. But I don't think he really had much he could have really done there. And then, uh, most of his other deals have been pretty good. He's good at just bringing in players, but what the hell can, uh... Like, without going full money ball and trading away uh, Guy Boucher's security blankets, what can he do other than fire the coach? And this would be the fifth coach we've gone through in seven years? Let's see here. We've gone through McLean. Uh, let's see. McLean. We went. Cameron. Cameron. Clusen. 
Hartsburg. Heck, Boucher, that'd be five coaches in ten years. Yeah, that's insane. But you know what? Like we were talking about with Pierre Dorian, like you could bring in whoever you want, but if you don't have the right coaches developing and nurturing these guys, then... Oh, we forgot about uh, Paddock as well. Paddock, okay. Yeah, so that's six guys since two thousand, the 2007-2008 season. Like, and there's a lot of people suggesting that there's a player mess in uh, Belleville as well. Like, Belleville has been quite weak since uh, they won the Calder Cup back in 2011. And people are suggesting that Randy Lee has mismanaged the the player the player set up down there as well. And and Coach Kleisendorf hasn't been all that great either. Right. And if that's the case, all of that plus a team that's being absolutely killed by interest in debt payments. Ugh. Yeah. I no, I only got a few other notes of this game. Uh, referees, they missed a number of calls against both teams. But the big note I have was Johnny Oduya's late hit on Evgeny Dandanov in the third period which the Florida Panthers went after Oduya, and both teams got two minutes, so there's four and four for two. That was a brutal hit by Oduya. Oh, for sure. And, I, I mean, it's hard to, It really is surprising when you see stuff like that, because he is not known to be a, a very physical defenseman. Mm -hmm. Although Oduya didn't play a bad game, and that kind of surprised me, because I'm thinking, oh my god, Oduya is actually playing a good game. Because <laughs> every game I go into watching him, I'm thinking the worst. Mm -hmm. Like with CC and Fanuf and these other guys that we've had yeah and even Clayson to a degree has been having a very bad has been having a fairly weak season although uh if you're handcuffed to Oduya Fanuf and <laughs> yeah CC that's gonna happen to you like it's I do feel bad I feel bad for Oduya because he's not it's not his fault like even Oduya recognizes he's 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 not playing the way he wants to and Oduya want in an Ottawa Citizen article, Oduya basically said he's not getting the rest he needs. No. So, like, Oduya's being used wrong, and Oduya knows it, but it's not like he can say no to the coach. No. That's how you get your one-way ticket out of here, and I think Odu like Oduya and Carlson are apparently friends. So I don't... That's something you don't want to... That's not good, because, like, look, like, Carlson's mentor and one of his best friends was pushed out by this organization twice in Daniel Alfredson. His, one of his best friends, Kyle Turris, was sold down the river because the owner's a jackass. Yeah. You push out another friend, Hoffman gets traded after being you're knocking. Yeah, line. you're hitting the nail right on the head. Yeah. I would not be surprised if, like, I want Carlson to stay, and I think Carlson wants to stay, but... You're very questionable. You're push. You're pu you're at. You're pushing him way too hard. Yeah. Did you see the comments? Uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was like Don Brennan or one of these guys. They said about the Kyle Turris situation in Ottawa that originally a really good friend of Turris had heard Turris said to him, "says I will never sign and play for this yeah. owner." Yeah, I've heard that, and uh, like thank God for Nashville. I know. Like the players can be so candid down there. Like. Turris was able to speak freely about how he felt about the situation, and that would happen. That would never happen in almost any other media market. No, because Nashville is not a traditional hockey market. Like they're mostly about the Tennessee Titans and the University of Tennessee down there. Mm -hmm. So hockey comes in, and it's like, well, that's such a weird sport. But then, like, 
they get all these personalities that are allowed to kind of be themselves. Yeah, like P.K. Subban. Like P.K. Subban, and I think that really helps, that really helps them get people in the chairs because it's a, all of a sudden hockey is this new fun thing, not this new weird thing. Yeah, and especially when you get the, the, uh, the celebrities involved, like Carrie Underwood, Taylor mm-hmm. Swift, uh, Faith Hill, Tim McGraw, when you get these big-time singers and famous people around the team, that creates a buzz. That's like when Gretzky played for the Kings and you see Stallone, Tom Hanks, and all those guys at the Great Western Forum. Mm-hmm. Or like having Drake at the Raptors games. For sure. Yeah, and it's just like all these other teams are able to do, but just Ottawa can't. No. And having a toxic o- like having a toxic owner probably really really hurts things. And like I don't like talking about this stuff week over week, but the team's in such a place where it's always relevant. Mm-hmm. Because, like, when you're winning, you can ignore these sort of things. Yep. And uh, my joke about being the point per podcast, <laughs> the point per episode podcast is ringing true yet again. That's true. However, we... De- I mean, that's, yeah, I guess we only got one point out of that. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> Well, I guess that wraps up the games of the week, eh, Tim? Yeah. Yeah, nothing else that can really be said. No. Uh, I guess we should... Uh, well, first of all, let's get an update here. It is currently 4-20 in the first period. Canada's leading 3-1 to over Finland. With a really nice tip-in goal. Uh, there are two There are two Ottawa Senators playing for Team Canada. Yeah, that's uh, Alex Vermont and Drake... Drake Batherson. Drake Batherson. Yeah, apparently they've... They've impressed so far through the exhibition games. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see... And Fermentin actually played a few games. Uh, actually, I think he ended up playing a Yeah, I think Fermont played yeah. a few games here at the beginning of the year. And uh, I, I'm i excited to see what they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I do like that they're having it in Buffalo. Because Buffalo is only two hours away from Toronto. And it's actually kind of funny where you notice that all of, most of the ads are Canadian brands, but then you realize half of those brands are probably available in Buffalo anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what games do we have next week? Well, for next week, Tim, we have... Let's have a look, buddy. We've got... We're going to be in Boston on Wednesday night to play the Boston Bruins, Friday versus the Columbus Blue Jackets, and Saturday versus the Boston Bruins in Ottawa. Yeah, so... If Ottawa doesn't come away with at least four points this week, they'll be in trouble. For sure. Ideally, the ideal four points would be two wins against Boston. Mm-hmm. Because the, the thing is, is Ottawa is not... Ottawa can't really compete against the Metro teams for a wildcard slot. No. The heart... Their realistic path is to grab that third slot in the Atlantic from Boston. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a slog... And they may not be mathematically eliminated, but it's it's a rough place to be. Yeah. That's all I can say. Well, Tim, I guess we'll have to head into the close. First of all, thank you so much for listening to Third Line Plug Sends, guys, guys. I really hope you enjoy them because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Sensecast. Because our bud Dave from Maple Syrup Shots, which I have to mention, Tim's debut episode came out today. It was fun. Yeah, it sounded like you had a great time there, man. Yeah, yeah. Without Tay. Because our bud Dave made the mention, <laughs> we were on Google Play Music, Third Line Plug Sensecast. 
You can find us on Twitter at Third Line Plug. That's our show's Twitter. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger. I am Great White Gipster, G-R-8-W-Y-T-E Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about how Tim's being a fucking asshole right now. Oh, rude. Well, what? You're the one who's trying to get Dave from Able Surf Shots to do terrible things. Well, you got him to do terrible things. That's because he banded me. Um, Which, and I way, quote, Taylor, don't bet with that guy. He has no <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So if you want to shoot an email to talk about Guy Boucher, the Sens, or you want to come up with ideas for what Dave should do to me, choose an email, thirdlineplugsenscast at gmail.com. Now, since we already talked about the games for next week, i got to ask... Are you going to be back on the island next Christmas when the when the World Juniors are here? Likely. I tend to come back every year. Yeah. Yeah, if you're back next Christmas, we'll definitely have to try and ha- catch some games in. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, maybe we can catch the New Year's Eve Classic. Will that be in Victoria or Van... Uh, probably Vancouver, I would imagine. Uh, it's split between Victoria and Vancouver. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, which, I mean, if it was going to be in Victoria, Victoria's got two arenas... But it's much smaller... Venues. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, like Vancouver. Savalon. Yeah, Savalon's only 7,000. And I think the Q Center is like 25, 3,000. Yeah. Is the Q Center at Bear Mountain? or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a really grizzly play. Actually, it's not a bad arena. Yeah, but it's just not enough seats. For sure. Yeah, because uh, GM... Sorry, Rogers Arena is... Uh, 17. 17. Yeah, plus they've got the Coliseum. Yeah. I'm surprised they're not just doing it in Vancouver entirely. Yeah, because I think they did that a few years ago. Yeah, they did that a few years back now. Yeah, and that seemed to work out pretty good. Yeah. Until next week, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jancy. Go Sens, guys. My time here is up. They're going home!